I mean, one, you can't, you, you eat so much you want to pop afterwards. That's what I remember. You know, I'm not going to repeat that history because those were days that I could afford it and can't afford it now. But, uh, you know, all of us have our different stuff, but most of all, what God wants us to remember today is the meaning of Easter. And we did a short series a few weeks ago uh, called Big Church. And the whole focus was going back to the book of Acts, looking at what the church in the first century was like. And their whole focus, they didn't have, they didn't celebrate what we call Easter on one Sunday. Every Sunday was Easter. Every day was Easter to our brothers and sisters in the first century church. When, when Christianity was born, after Jesus' resurrection and He passed the baton to the apostles... Every day was Easter where the apostles and these young believers were, were, were recently baptized and they celebrated the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. That means everything that He said was true. And that means that everything that they did in the past and their lives was forgiven. And they were given a new opportunity to live. And we want to celebrate that today. Uh, today also we're beginning a new series called God Provides. I don't know how you feel in your life, but sometimes you, you kind of look in your pocket and, you know, there's just not a lot there. Or it may be not just an economical situation. You may be asking the question, with everything that's going on in my life, where is God? Where is He? I need some love here. I need some help. I need, I need some provision. You know... This whole series is about reminding you He's always been there. The question is, where have you been? And today is an opportunity. This series is an opportunity for us to come back home. Come back into a relationship with God and He's extending His hand. The question is, will you reach out? You know, the great thing about this, uh, this series, today we're going to be looking at the title called Lift It Up. Who was lifted up? Jesus. That's what we're celebrating today. Jesus was lifted up. And uh, this is, this is uh, what we're going to be looking at. And what does that mean? It means that there's hope for whose future? Yours, mine. There's hope. No matter what situation you're in. And uh, for, for the younger people in our, 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 our crowd today, the next six weeks we get to watch movies in church. Isn't that awesome? We're going to watch some mini-movies. We're going to see the Bible come to life. And sometimes, you know, hearing, you go, I don't know, what was it like? We're going to get to see some dramatization of the Bible, both Old and New Testament. And today we're going to go really deep back into the Old Testament and into the New Testament. And Jesus did many, many things that were unexpected while He was here on earth. Uh, a couple of them. He turned water into wine. Man, you want to talk about turning a party around. It's just, that was unexpected. Who would expect that? The Son of God would come and, and bring wine. Hey, you never know what Jesus is going to do. Uh, and then another thing that He did is He touched and healed the sick. Now, there was a uh, you know, a mindset is you don't get near sick people. You don't, it's particularly lepers, people who have a skin disease, leprosy. 
You don't touch these people. Jesus broke the boundaries. He touched these people. He reached out to the sick people and said, I want to help. I have compassion on you. And he spent time with sinful people. He didn't spend time with the religious. His primary focus, Jesus' primary focus was to help the sick people spiritually. Meaning, they had sinful lives. They had fallen lives. They had broken lives. You know, and I want to, you know, relieve any pressure you may feel. Some of us are dressed up and looking good and feeling good. We're not all that in this church. Okay? We're, We're all fallen people in this church. But because of God, we have hope. And He's turned our lives around. He's given us a new shot. A new lance on life. That we can be different. That we can live differently. And this is who Jesus spent time with. And it shocked the, the, the religious world of Jesus' time. And then Jesus opened hearts and eyes to the Scriptures through parables. I mean, a lot of people, they couldn't get, and that may be you today, that may be you and your life. You look at the Bible and you go, man, this is such a complex thing. I don't know if I could understand. Do I got to go get a, a degree, you know, uh, uh, in, in the Bible so I can understand it? Jesus came to settle that question that it's not that complicated. In fact, He told parables. He told stories so that people could relate. Parallel stories. So that people could identify, what is God like? What is God's heart? What is God's conviction? What will judgment day be like? What will will the love and heart of God, what is He about? And Jesus told these parables so that people could connect with God. And you can read these parables. And that's one, what was so exciting about Jesus. And another for the women here in the group. Dramatic, unexpected, shocking. Jesus included women in his ministry. How do you feel about that, ladies? Now, just so you understand, that was totally against the grain. Women in Palestine at that time were treated as, as, as they still are in many regions of that area today. They're treated as property. They're treated as second, second class like livestock. It's sad. That still goes on. But Jesus came in and said, no, women are people. And He reached out to them and He included them in His ministry and He gave women vision that God cares about me. My husband might not, but God does. Isn't that awesome? So we're going to set the stage for our our movie. And and, uh, one of the things that Jesus did that was very unexpected, He fulfilled prophecy. So many prophecies about Jesus. Thousands of years before He came. And one of the things that we're going to look at today was 1,400 years before Jesus' arrival here on earth, the Bible foreshadowed what He was going to do. And then so many other times, Jesus fulfilled Old Testament prophecy. This is the way it's going to go down. This is what He's going to say. This is what He's going to do. This is how it's going to happen. So many. And that's what makes the Bible so amazing, is that the Bible was 
was, was written over a time and space. Huge separation. Yet it comes together. It, 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 it molds together. And that's what you realize. This is the Word of God. This isn't some storybook once upon a time. No, this is, this is God, His hand throughout time. And we're going to see that uh, part of that today. So let me set the stage before we watch our movie. Are you guys ready for a movie today? I mean, where are you going to go and watch a movie on Easter Sunday? But be ready. All right? This isn't going to be, you know, like tangled or anything like that. Okay, this is going to be straight at you. This is going to be, you know, what the message is all about. Causing us to reflect on Jesus. Jesus came, every, came to bring everything together. And we're going to be watching an encounter, a little Old Testament history, and then an encounter that Jesus had with a man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus was one of the ruling members of the council called, you know, the, the ruling council, the Sanhedrin. So he was a high-level Pharisee, which means one of the rulers of the Jewish religion, way up there on the totem pole. And he came to meet with Jesus at night, and Jesus had this conversation with Nicodemus. And in this conversation, you can make a note of it, what we're going to be looking at all happened in John chapter 3, verse 1 through 12, 1 through 21. And you say, well, what does that have to do with Easter? Everything. Just, just wait and you'll see. John chapter 3, verse 1 through 21. That's your reference. You want to make a note of it and go back and read about it. And then, in this exchange with Nicodemus, Jesus referred to a point in time, 1,400 years prior to Israel's history when they had left Egypt as slaves. God liberated them from slavery and they walked through the desert. They were free. But guess what? They were tired of eating and drinking the same thing for many, many, many months. Maybe years. You know, and that's how we get, right? Sometimes some of us come home and it's the same old, same old rice and beans and tortillas. And we want some variety, right? Be careful. Because there are many people in our world that are starving. And guess what God has done for you like He's done for and He did for Israel? He provided. Maybe not what they wanted a la carte, but what they needed. Substance. Life. And that's what's important. Okay, and so this comes from, if you want to make a note of that, Numbers 21, verse 4 and following. Israel, that set this thing, and the movie starts right up when this discipline. Israel complained against God. They grumbled. And they started to wish that they could go back to being slaves. God performed some amazing miracles to free them. And He brought them out of slavery but they started to wish that they could go back and be slaves again. I mean, you go, what? Why would you do that? But see, sometimes we're fickle people and we lose perspective. We lose gratitude, very much like us. And so God sent snakes. They called fiery snakes to wake people up that they were disobedient and they were defiant against God. And some people died because of they were snake bit. And it's a hard-hitting story. 
that God draws a line sometimes and says, enough is enough. I promise you in this world, with all the bad stuff that's going on, there will be a line drawn. There will be a judgment day. The Bible talks about it. And God will say again, enough is enough. And what we want to be, just to make sure, we want to be on the right side of everything and be obedient to God so that we're not snake bit. Okay, so you ready for the movie? Let's drop the lights. Let's get the popcorn out. No, sorry, no popcorn in church. In the back, yes, but let's watch the movie. Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. I tell you the truth. No man can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Well, surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born? No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and of the Spirit. What is born by flesh is flesh, and what is born of Spirit is Spirit. You should not be surprised by my saying, you must be born again. The wind, it blows wherever it pleases. You hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. How can this be? the only one. 
You are Israel's teacher, and do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth, that we speak what we know and testify what we have seen. But still, you do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? can these things be? No one has ever gone into heaven but the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whosoever believes in him may have eternal life.
Nicodemus, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world. but that through him the world might be saved. serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him may have eternal life. Whoever 
believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. you see the parallel amazing the way God brings things together between time and space 1400 years between that time and we're going to break down what we just watch but just kind of fun fact who knows what this symbol is for you see it on the patch in the arms of paramedics and it's called the star of life And that rod with the snake, uh, some have said that is the rod of Asipius and from Greek mythology, which basically has its origin between 8 and 9 B.C. This story that we just saw about the snake around the rod was 14, the 14th century, 1400 B.C. Many argue that that symbol really originated from this story, Numbers 21. That what is the cure for mankind? Jesus. It all ties in. Just a fun fact. But to parallel today, the world we live in is a snake-bit society. Look around. Remember the, the scene there where you had people lying on the ground and snakes slithering around. Some were dead. Some were on their way out. A lot of people were hurting. We live in a snake-bit society. And it doesn't matter what age, where you are in your life state, if you'll just stop and pay attention to what's happening, you'll see that people are suffering in their marriages, in their families, in their relationships, in their finances. And feeling a sense of purpose. What am I here for? What's my life all about? There's a lot of stress. There's a lot of loneliness. And there's a lot of sickness. Serious sickness. In our society. All as a consequence from a society that's living apart from God. Doing it their way instead of doing it God's way. And there's a consequence for that. See, God created us. He created us with a manual, with a plan, with a a right way to live. And when we choose not to do it God's way, there's a consequence. 
There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of suffering. And those scenes where you see people lying around remind me of some of our neighborhoods. How families are coming undone and mothers are raising their children alone and children are wondering where their fathers are. And there's a lot of hopelessness in our world. A lot of pain. And what was the remedy for those people? And it's not so much why did God send the snakes, but why did God send the the solution? And the solution was, I want to rescue you, I want to heal you. And the bronze snake was the remedy for the people of Israel. If they would look and believe, God would save them. Today, what is the remedy for our our snake-bitten society? Jesus is the remedy for our snake-bitten society. And the sooner people come to grips with that, the sooner they can be healed and find hope and find life. Jesus is lifted up even today in the year 2011. And as we talked about several weeks ago, it's amazing that Jesus even made it. The story of Jesus, the history of Jesus, it's amazing that it even made it out of the first century. And the reason why Jesus is being lifted up today, because there are people right here among us who've been healed. Many people. Their marriages have been healed. Their families have been healed. Their, their, their souls have been healed. So many of us here are witnesses He healed me. I was like that woman lying down, snake bitten. My life was a mess. And I looked, I looked to the Son of Man. I looked to Jesus for direction, for hope, for health. And what happened? He turned my life around. Some of us grew up in the church. And we made some mistakes. Bad ones. We messed up. But then we realize, you know, I, I haven't been doing it God's way. And we turned and we looked again. We looked at Jesus and we got it on straight again. And we've changed and we've come back to being what God wants us to be. And He's put our lives back together again. That's the amazing celebration of Easter. That's the heart of Easter. Jesus was lifted up as a remedy, as a cure for mankind. To help us in our desperate time of need. But the question is, will you look to Jesus? And here the scripture that's quoted in John 3, verse 14 and 15, where Jesus quoted it to Nicodemus. It's an intense story. The reason why there was such a dilemma between the religious world and Jesus at his day was because they were filled with envy. It was a political game of power. But there was one guy who had a heart for God. His name was Nicodemus. He secretly went to meet Jesus at night. Because he realized and he said, Jesus, I believe that you are from God. Because nobody could say the things that you say. Nobody could do the miracles that you're doing. Which still holds true today. There's no one that compares to Jesus. But see... Nicodemus didn't get caught up in the political game. He focused on Jesus. And then he was brought to his knees when the whole thing tied together what Jesus said that night and when Jesus was on the cross and he broke down 
Jesus must be lifted up. And it says here, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in Him may have eternal life. There's hope for every single person alive today. But the question is, will you look? Will you believe? Will you reach out to Jesus? He's the answer to our world's problems. You say, well, you're oversimplifying things. No. If you get to know the Bible the way I have, and you've seen the changed lives that I've seen, not just here in the East San Gabriel Valley, but in Mexico, in Brazil, in Asia, in Russia, in all parts of the world, this Word is changing and curing lives. And that's what we have to celebrate today. And look in verse 16, the, the, the most quoted verse in the New Testament. But do you really understand what it's talking about? Do you think God wants to see all the, sarn, the suffering and carnage in our society today? He's given a cure. And it says here, for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son so that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus is saying here, I am the remedy for your life. I am the remedy for your salvation. And for Nicodemus, it was a challenge. And I appreciate Nicodemus because he continued to have his heart for God. Obviously, he saw what was happening, the game that was going on between the rest of the the politics, the hypocrisy. He saw it. And many of us have been stained and scarred by our religious experience. And we say, well, I don't want to go to church because in the church there's hypocrisy. What does Jesus and your relationship with Him have anything to do with what somebody else is doing somewhere else? It's going to come down to you. Independent of what somebody else is doing here or there. And Nicodemus recognized that. He says, my Pharisee brothers, they may be way off. But I need to talk to Jesus. He had a heart for God. Don't lose your heart for God. I don't know what your experience is. But don't lose your heart for God. Focus on Jesus. Focus on who He is and what He wants to do in your life. If you will let Him. Jesus continued. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn it but to save it through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. See, God allows us to make choices. Free will. You make your choice. No one's going to force you to do anything. You know, I remember growing up when people tried to force me to do things. It didn't go well. I don't know what it was, but I had this wild hair in my character that when people tried to put the bind on me, I went the other direction. But I suffered the consequences over and over and over and over again for my rebellious spirit until I figured it out, enough is enough. I am tired of reaping the consequence of my rebellious spirit 
And I need to kneel down just like Nicodemus did and admit my wrong, admit my mistake, admit my rebellious spirit. I can't blame anyone or anything for who I am before God. And when I made that decision, that's when everything changed. That's when life started anew. And that's what God wants to do. But it's a choice. If you don't make that choice, you will suffer the consequence. It's a reality. You will suffer. And it will go badly for you. Eventually. And it's an individual choice. But you know, this whole thing of believe, beware of fake faith. You know, there's a lot of fake faith out there. Especially today. Today is Easter. Boy, there's churches are filled to capacity. You know, they're just rolling with people. Everybody goes to church. Not everybody. A lot of people go to church on Easter. Why? Because you're supposed to. And especially if you have a cross in your home on the wall, right? Or if you got it in your car or if you wear a pendant around your neck. And that sometimes can lead us to think that we believe. But just as in Moses' time, just as in Jesus' time, so today there's fake faith. And the Bible spells it out. Beware of fake faith like show-up faith. What's show-up faith? It's enough just to show up. I'm here, right? You've got to go a little deeper than just going to church once in a while. Well, I went on Easter and I went on Christmas. Isn't that enough? You've got to ask God that question. Or I go every week, which is, wow, nobody goes every week, right? I go on Sunday, Wednesday to my faith group. I, I, hey, listen, I've got to be in. Then listen up, faith. You hear the lessons, but do you act on those? Facebook faith. <laughs> Beware of faith, Facebook faith. You know what's interesting about Facebook is you can be whoever you want to be on Facebook. But a lot of your close friends know when they see your page, they go, Mmm, I know. They got this flash, you know, and they got this look, and they're, you know, all... And they're not that. You know, on Facebook, you can be whoever you want to be. You can be a rock star if you want. You know? But you've got to be aware of that. Flash at church. Having an appearance of who we are. And then, pay up faith. Well, I'm just going to give a contribution occasionally to the church. And I'll just pay my way to heaven. And, hey, my check says i got faith. Right? Is that enough? And then you got flicker faith. Flicker faith is, it doesn't last very long. Some of us have had our religious experiences in our past. The question is, did you hang on? Did you stay faithful? Are you still holding fast to Jesus now? Jesus never intended for our, our experience with Him, our relationship with Him to be flicker faith. That means it lasts a little while and then it's gone. And then talk it up faith. And that's, you talk a good game, but you're really not living it up. Hold it up, faith. And you know, this is something that we have to feel some responsibility for. When we don't live the life, people are watching. And it holds them back. Now, if you're here today and you've seen some hold up faith in other people and it's holding you up, 
I want to encourage you not to let anything or anyone hold up your faith. You've got a responsibility. And they're not going to be standing there on the day of judgment so you can go, it's his fault. It's her fault. It's mom. It's dad. It's uncle. It's aunt. It's the neighbor. It's whoever. You can't blame them. It's just going to be you and Jesus and the Lord. And you've got to make that choice. It's about your relationship. And then in James, let's define what is true faith. That scripture in in John 3.16 that talks about, For God so loved the world that He came to save the world. Whoever believes will be saved. What's, What's that word talking about? Look at James. He defines it here. In the same way, faith by itself means if it's not... If it's not walking, talking, living, breathing. If, in the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by what? Is dead. Do you get that? What's it worth? Zero. It won't count. It doesn't mean anything. And look, at he breaks it down even more. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God? Great. Good. Even the demons believe and shudder. You know that the demons believe in God? Oh boy, they believe. The demons would face Jesus and they believed. They had deep conviction about who Jesus was. They would scream when they saw Jesus. They were terrified of the judgment to come. They're believers, probably more than most of us here in this room, as far as their serious ramification of going against God's will. But what's the difference with the demons? They don't walk in faith. And they don't live according to God's Word. They're not searching out the Scriptures. They're not seeking. They're not learning to find out what pleases God. How does He want me to live? How does He want me to manage my family? How does He want me to manage my my finances? Which we're learning about in our faith groups. Aren't we, brothers and sisters? Isn't it exciting? Eye-popping. Man, it's woken woken me up. Some of the things that we're looking at. And as many have said, I wish I knew this a long time ago. That's okay, you're getting it now. But this is what James is talking about. Belief means being born again. This is what Jesus said to Nicodemus, and it created a stir. What does he say to him in verse 3 and 5 of John 3? In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is what? Born again. And if you want to celebrate Easter correctly, if you want to celebrate Easter right, You've got to think about a frame of reference. If you really truly believe, there has to be a reference point. See, Jesus is saying, you have to change your life. Even in this verse that we see in verse 5, he re- Jesus reiterates it. He says, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and spirit. Referring to what? Baptism. Two times Jesus is talking about a radical change in your life. Many of us here today have done that. Are you still being born again now? Because it's not a one-time deal. 
I have found this in my 26 years. I got a lot more changing to do. I got a lot more rebirth in my life because I'm not where I need to be. I've got so much more that I need to change to be like Jesus. And I want to encourage you today. If it's a distance between when you were born again and when you were, you were changed many years ago, I want to encourage you to come back to that frame of reference and renew the, the, the trust, the devotion that you had with God in the beginning. That zeal, that fire, if you've gotten flat. And if you're visiting here with us today, let me, let me spell it out, what, what that means, being born again. Being born again is this. It actually is, is said in Numbers, that snake story in Numbers 21.7. Look at what they did in order to remedy their situation. They said, we sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. See, they recognized. They recognized that they were living against the will of God. Being born again means you recognize you're not right. You're not doing right. You're going to finally listen to your conscience that's been been speaking to you and late at night you can't sleep and you know I'm not living right I'm not doing right I need to go to church I need to make changes you finally listen and you obey and that's what they said it means a complete change a turnaround being born again there used to be a, a, a movement of, of Christians back when I was a college student called born again Christians it was pretty cool because their whole theme and their whole focus was it's a radical change. And they were totally different people. The name was the same, but the person was completely different. It still holds true today. That's what Jesus is saying. If you want to make it, if you want to celebrate Easter correctly, it's not about religion. It's about a relationship. It's about a life change. I'm not going to live against... And it's a change morally... And directionally, there's a lot of crazy teaching out there today in the Christian sect, in the Christian world, that you don't have to change anything. Jesus covers it all. In fact, Time Magazine talked about this last week. There's a very popular preacher in, in the Midwest that he believes Jesus is going to take care of everybody. You know, I, I wish that were true. I really do. But when I read my Bible, and I don't want to be judgmental, and I don't want to be condescending, I, I just can't see it. I don't want to be duped. I don't want to be fooled. I don't want to fool anybody else. I know the truth. There's got to be a change. He says it right here. If you want to be in the kingdom of heaven, you've got to change. You've got to be born again. There's got to be a rebirth. And it's not about church attendance. It's not a nice, funny little feeling where I'm now religious. No, it's a complete change in your life. And it's not just a few select people. It's not just for the bad people. Okay? The drug addicts, the drunkards, the drug dealers, the thieves, the gangsters. You know, the cartel people down in Mexico killing. It's not for those people. It's for the religious people. Jesus was saying this to Nicodemus, who lived, dedicated his whole life to his religion. He had most of the Old Testament memorized. And Jesus is saying, even you, Nicodemus, have to be born again. Because you're depending on your own religiosity to get you to heaven. It's not about you. It's about God. You can't earn this. It's a gift. 
And that gift changes you. It redefines you. And you become a different person. You know, that's one of the things that happened to me when I was born again as a college student. My friends took offense at me because I wouldn't do the same things that we used to do. They got mad. They got frustrated at me. Called me names. These were my best friends from when I was young. They insulted me. And it hurt. Because I was just trying to do right. I was just trying to do what the Scripture said. But people get offended when you change like this. It rubs them. Family members get offended. You know, those old friends that you've had for a long time, when you make this kind of change, it shakes things up. And they said, well, if you don't change what you're doing, we're done. Our friendship's done. And they walked away. I mean, I I, I wept that night. I just said, man, this is like family to me. These guys were closer to me than my family. It was a test. A couple of months later, they called me back and said, "We we were just testing you. I said, man, listen, don't test me. Okay? That was wrong what you guys did. You're not friends. And they said, you're right. We're sorry. And we're still friends to this day. You know? But people are going to test you. And if you change the way Jesus is talking about being born again, there's going to be a rub. People aren't going to like it. You embrace that. That's what it is. But it also provides a light for people so they can change and know what the standard is. The bar is up here now. Instead of that, oh yeah, he, he says he's a Christian, but he hadn't changed. He's still that same guy that we've always known. Talks the same, acts the same, still running the way he used to run. Jesus died and was raised to give us hope and direction. And that's the way I want to leave this service today is for you to realize that Jesus died for you so that you could have hope in your life, so that things could be different in your life. And as the same way Jesus was lifted up to remedy the problems in this world, He can't throw a blanket over everybody. It has to be an individual response. And I want to encourage you, whether you're a member of the church or whether you're visiting here with us as a guest, respond to Jesus being lifted up. It is the most significant decision you will make in your whole life. More than where you go to college, more than who you marry, more than what job you choose, more than where you're going to decide to live and what car to buy, and and, and what neighborhood, what school, all these things that we consider big decisions. This is it. Because this decision affects where you're going to spend eternity. And it also affects everything else in your life. I am who I am today. I have what I have today because of that decision. So I want to encourage you, celebrate Easter in the right way. And it's about making decisions. And then we're going to close out and take the communion. I want to encourage you today, if you're visiting here with us, to consider being born again. Whoa! Hold on now. I don't like feeling pressure. This isn't pressure. This is responsibility. How long will you put God off? 
How long are you going to keep putting up that shield, that block, that defense? See, I knew people were talking to me about Jesus for many years. And I knew the game I was playing. I was running around saying, well, there's this, it's that, it's the other. I don't like pressure. I don't like this. The truth of the matter is I had to sit down with God and say, all right, you died for me. What am I ready to do for you? What's going to change about my life? Easter is the reminder of that. And, you know, there's a phrase that's used today called reinvent yourself in the professional world. Reinvent yourself, right? Jesus started that whole mindset. But it's not just a a mask, a new mindset, walking around with different lingo and different talk. Reinventing yourself means you die and you're resurrected to be a new person, the way the Bible defines it. And I want to encourage you, if you need to know more about it, we have some Bible studies in our church that we can do with you. There's seven. And you're going to know enough in those Bible studies to know exactly how to change your life and what the cross means in your life, what repentance means in your life, what the Word of God says about your life. And then I want to encourage you, if you're here and you're not quite ready to do any of those things, come on back next week. Let's watch another movie together. Okay? What's wrong with watching a movie? It may just change your life. And I want to leave you with this. God has provided. Okay? If you've been asking that question for a long time, where's God? I want to answer the question for you. He puts it back on you. Where have you been, my child? I've been here all the, t- all the time. I've been waiting for you to come home. I've been waiting for you to pray to me. I've been waiting for you to, to read my words so you can understand what my will is, my plan for your life is. I've been waiting. My son, my daughter, come back home. Don't make me wait any longer. Don't you know that I love you? Don't you know that I care about you? I died for you. That is the message of Easter Sunday and every day of the year. It's celebrated. It's highlighted. It's big today. You know, pink. you got the pink shirts and all the flowers. Hey, let's get down to the real deal here. Where are you at with Jesus? And for our members, the same thing. This cannot be about a religious experience. Being an attender of church. Your life's got to be different. And you've got to fight that good fight to keep your faith fresh. Keep it real. And not fall into the trap of religiosity and fake faith. Real faith. That affects how you live every day. So let's pray for the communion. We're going to take it together.